Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another Lost Ladies of Lit mini episode. I'm Kim Askew, and I'm here with my friend and co-writer, Amy Helms. Amy, are you there? Yeah, I'm just busy mentally adjusting my elbow gloves and dreaming of Miss Patmore's savory pudding. Sorry, I got a little distracted. I mean, the latest Downton Abbey flick premiere soon. Can any of us focus on anything else? No, you're right. We have to have our priorities straight. Oh my gosh. It's impossible not to be excited for this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that they just keep doing these films every few years. The last one did not disappoint. Remember, we got to go see it together. Oh yeah, we love it. Yeah, I haven't been to the movie theater in a long time, so I'm excited to get to go back hopefully soon and see it. Granny has inherited a villa. At least that's what I gathered from the trailer, right? Anyway, this new movie, Downton Abbey, A New Era, is going to be taking us to the south of France. Yes, the British are coming, to quote Mr. Carson. (laughs) And bring some rice to throw also, because there's going to be a lavish wedding, too. Beyond that, we're not going to give away any spoilers. Not that we even know that many. But if you want to know more, you can go online and look, of course. I personally don't want to know anything else in advance. No, I, I don't either. So in that case, what should we talk about today? Well, I was thinking maybe we could discuss some Downton-esque books that can maybe tie people over long after we've all seen this next movie. For example, did you know that Julian Fellows actually got the idea for Downton Abbey from a book that was written by a woman that we could even consider maybe a lost lady of literature today? No, but somehow I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, I knew he originally did the movie Gosford Park, which I am a huge fan of. That's like one of my favorite movies. And I thought Downton Abbey sort of springboarded from that film, but I didn't realize at all there was a book that inspired him. Yeah, he credits a book from 1980 called The Shooting Party. It's by Isabel Colgate for sparking the idea for Gosford Park, which then in turn led to Downton Abbey. So I read The Shooting Party recently. Um, It takes place over the course of one weekend, just before the start of World War I. There's a shooting party, no surprise, with overnight guests. It's all taking place at a large country estate called Nettleby Park. Um, I will say, in addition to Downton Abbey vibes, I also got some minor atonement vibes from this book um, that Ian McEwen, is that how you say it? How do you say his name? Yeah, Ian McEwen. I love Atonement. I love the book. So I'm excited to hear that this book is reminiscent of that too. Yeah, there's a sense of foreboding about the whole weekend. And we learn on the first page there's going to be a death. There's also some romantic intrigue. And running throughout the whole book is this definite sense that the world is changing and the aristocracy's days are numbered. That's a theme that also runs throughout Downton Abbey, of course. So I'll read a little snippet from The Shooting Party. Here's a moment when the master of the house, Sir Randolph Nettleby, reflects on that idea. He did feel, if not yet a dodo, at least at the end of something. He did feel, looking round the room in which the watery light filtering through the beech leaves and reflecting the river gave everything a soft luminosity becoming to the unpainted faces of the women and the muted color of their clothes and the blue and white of the china on the dark shelves behind them, that beyond the river and the trees, beyond the boundaries of his own estate, there was a whole clamorous, violent, disorderly process going on which was to bring about the end of an idea 
an idea started by people whose combination of poetry and political acumen, curiosity and love of pastoral life made them seem, he always thought, Florentine rather than English. And it kind of goes on from there. He's always sort of ruminating on, you know, this is the end of our kind sort of thing. Ooh, so what did you think about it? What did people think about it when it came out? It was very popular when it came out. I enjoyed it, but having read it after watching the Downton series, it was a little disappointing to me on some levels. And I think maybe the reason for that is because I've gotten really spoiled when it comes to these types of stories in the wake of Downton Abbey. You know, I'm used to being able to immerse myself in that world and characters from that world for a much longer time frame than the course of just one quick novel. So to that end, there are a few other books and literary series that really scratch that itch for me a little bit more and let me sort of live in the world for a bit longer. So I want to talk about those. Okay, I'm loving this. Let's definitely talk about some other titles in the vein of Downton Abbey. What are some of your favorites, Amy? So my number one pick would have to be The Cazalet Chronicles by Elizabeth Jane Howard. And I know I turned you onto these books, right? Yes, I love them. And I thank you very much for that. It's one of those books. Actually, there are four volumes and then a fifth that came out a few years later, which was the final novel. These are books that anytime anyone asks me for book recommendations, I always say go to the Cazalet Chronicles. Um, I was literally pained when I got to the last book because I could not bear to say goodbye to these characters, having spent so much time with them. Yes, I think that is why I still have not read the last one. I don't want it to be the last time I read it for the first time. It's wonderful. Uh, Millions of copies were sold worldwide. They cover the tangled lives and loves of three generations of an aristocratic family just prior to World War II. So obviously very Downton. And like Downton, you're going to fall madly in love with all these characters, despite their many foibles. And apparently, Elizabeth Jane Howard drew heavily from her own family history and recollections. So semi-autobiographical there. Love it. I should also mention that she was married to Kingsley Amos. (gasps) He was her third husband. Oh, my gosh. That's so perfect, because Lucky Jim, which is by him is a comic novel that um, also would fit into sort of the type of books that we're talking about. So Lucky Jim by Kingsley Amos. That's true. That's always been on my to be read list and I haven't gotten around to it yet. So I'm glad you reminded me of that one. Also, I should say that Elizabeth Jane Howard, she wrote a few other standalone novels that some people think are even better than the Cazalet Chronicles. I tried reading one, uh, The Long View. It's a story of a marriage in reverse. And I liked the premise a lot, but for some reason, it just didn't click with me at the time I was reading it and I didn't finish it. I know people rave about it, though. I think my problem was I was just still so into my Cazalet world when I read it because I had raced to get another book by her and I maybe wasn't ready. <laughs> to, You're attached was, to those characters. In exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Okay. My next recommendation is The Foresight Saga by John Galsworthy. This incidentally has a little special place in our hearts because when we first met, one of our early get-togethers was you came over to watch the 2002 Masterpiece Theater miniseries of this trilogy. I'll never forget it. I think I made Earl Grey shortbread cookies. I'm sure you did. 
Um, so this is a trilogy first published in 1922, and it's about a dysfunctional, wealthy London family. As in the Cazalet Chronicles, you follow this large family across three generations, and most notably, you are witness to the chilly demise of Irene and Soames Forsythe's loveless marriage. So I loved the miniseries. There's also another one from 1967, which I've never seen, but I had never actually read the Foresight Saga. So over the past few months, I decided to listen to it. It's great to listen on audiobook because it's so long, you know? Um, so my dog is so happy that I chose this because I end up going out on two-hour walks with her just to keep listening to it. Galsworthy's description of these characters, their mannerisms and the inner workings of their mind is just so sharp and it kind of plays out pretty much how I remember it being on film, but I don't think I realized before just how funny these books are. I don't think it was conveyed as well in the miniseries, but now that I'm listening to it, I'm constantly laughing out loud at his depiction of this family because they're so stuffy and snobby and emotionally stunted. There's a point where one of the great aunts has died of old age and her brother is so broken up that Galsworthy writes, he could take nothing for dinner but a partridge with an imperial pint of champagne. Oh, that is too good. And then he says the Forsythes look at love like a case of the measles, something you catch once in your youth, but soon get over. I mean, I'm paraphrasing that a little, but he's so good at capturing these very stoic, cold people. As if Henry James having more of a sense of humor almost. Yeah. Because I remember it being kind of Henry James reminiscent. And then when you add the humor, I want to reread that. Yeah, it's good. And so in the midst of all this restraint and, you know, these refined people, there's still all this drama and passion just bubbling under the surface. And it's very soap opera-like. So I like it. Then uh, speaking of soap operas, my last recommendation is a bit racier, especially for all you Downton Abbey fans. Although Downton Abbey could be a little racy, right? Yeah, racy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when Lady Mary and her mom had a sneak Mary's Turkish oh, lover? Oh, I know. That was the best. He was dead in her bed. That was when I was like, I love this show. They're definitely doing something different here. I think you were at my house. I was at your house. We were screaming. Oh, uh, we were dying. And I, and, <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen much when we're watching Masterpiece Theater as much as we love it. So. Yeah, that probably got Mike coming upstairs like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, but anyway, this next recommendation of mine is called Diary of a Chambermaid by Octave Mirbeau. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but it's a very naughty French novel circa 1900 that's written in diary format from the point of view of a not-so-puritanical housemaid. Uh, So I'd say it's kind of Maybe Downton Abbey meets Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, that's a pretty good hook right there. Yeah, definitely. And there's a murder intrigue thrown into the plot as well. But it's funny and it's kind of a satire of Parisian society. Imagine if Anna from Downton Abbey was much more sexually liberated, basically. And through her diary, she sort of exposes her upper-class employers as being really pervy and grotesque and hypocritical. In some ways, it kind of reminded me a little of Lucia Berlin's A Manual for Cleaning Women, and that we're seeing this domestic servant spill all the tea, so to speak. (laughs) So Kim, are you thinking of any books like... Oh my God. Well, first off, there was one that I just remembered. 
the Buccaneers, obviously Edith Morton isn't a lost lady, but the Buccaneers is definitely not as well known as her other work. And there's a beautiful miniseries that I am obsessed with that we've watched based on that novel. So it's fantastic. Like Cora in Downton Abbey, the American women are going over to find husbands in England. Yeah, it's telling Cora's point of view from Downton Abbey. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, you know, of course, there's Brideshead Revisited. Everyone knows that, but I, I couldn't not have this discussion and not say Brideshead Revisited, obviously. I don't need to go into a lot of detail on that, but that's obviously one you could read. Um, there's one that I love that maybe is lesser known in the US, probably than it is in England Zuleika Dobson by Max Beerbaum. It's sort of about a devil may care beauty in the vein of Downton's Lady Rose. And she distracts all these Oxford scholars from their studies. And the class of male undergrads ends up forming the suicide pact. It sounds dark, but it's actually so funny. Um, She just basically drives everyone completely insane with her beauty. And she's completely frivolous. It's bringing back like a flood of memories because I didn't quite remember that there was the suicide pact. But you lent me that book and I loved it. It had really cute illustrations and she's just wild. Yeah. She is like Lady Rose. You're right. Yep. So that's a good one. Um, And then Somerset Bomb. I have not read Up at the Villa. I've read some of his other work, but I definitely want to read that one. And there was a 2000 film adaptation with Kristen Scott Thomas and Sean Penn. Oh, um, yeah. Right. So um, it's about a beautiful young British widow in her 30s. She has to decide whether to remarry. And all these interested suitors are coming out of the woodwork. And she actually ends up in a real bind after a one night stand. It results in a dead lover on her hands. So Downton's Lady Mary could certainly relate to that, right? Oh, yeah, totally. God, I love it. Okay, it's going on my list. Yeah, I've read Somerset Mom's big books, his classics, but I've never read that one. Yeah, me neither. Um, also, I think we'd be remiss in discussing inspirations for Downton Abbey without also mentioning the original British television series Upstairs Downstairs from the early 1970s. It starred Leslie Ann Down, whom I actually got to know pretty well in my previous job. So I got to interview her multiple times and I hung out with her a lot and she's really incredible. She's funny and kind and she has so many amazing anecdotes from her acting career. I could talk to her for hours. But getting back to Upstairs Downstairs, she plays the young aristocratic heroine Georgina Worsley of that series. It's a really, really fun show to binge. And it's filmed on a soundstage, so it's very 70s. But it does have that same Downton format where you're following the upstairs posh family and then all of their servants downstairs. It also stars Eileen Atkins and Jean Marsh, who were the co-creators of that show. I know they did an Upstairs Downstairs reboot in 2010, which I think I watched, but the original is the classic. I could not recommend it enough. I don't know if you ever sat down and watched that, Kim. I have not. I've known about it, of course. It's like a touchstone or whatever. Um, But yeah, I've never watched it. I need to do that. Next time I have a reason to stop and binge a show, um, I'm going to put that on my list. We hope that kind of gave you some ideas, all you Downton fans, for things to read. We hope you join us next week for another Lost Lady of Lit that we'll be talking about. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, where we'll occasionally be giving out sneak peek info on which books we'll be featuring in future episodes, so you can get a jump on your reading if you want to read along with us. 
Yeah, I recommend you do that. And as always, you can check out that and everything on our website, lostladiesoflit.com. There are transcripts of this show and further information and links. Bye, everyone. Our theme song was written and recorded by Jenny Malone, and our logo was designed by Harriet Grant. Lost Ladies of Lit is produced by Amy Helms and Kim Askew.